This morning is an unusual morning, as was suggested. <laughs> it is an unusual morning. You all moved up. That makes it unusual. It's raining, and I understand it's going to be raining like, I don't know where this saying came from, cats and dogs. Right? It's going to be raining cats and dogs. And uh, that's supposed to happen sometime during the course of the day today. And this morning early, I was looking on my, my weather site uh, that I look at every day. Uh, and they said that in the foothills, we might get over six inches, according to the updated weather report at five o'clock this morning. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so when you think about that, I was thinking about, man, we've been praying for rain for like five years. Okay. And really... Some of us fervently for the last couple of years because, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago I flew over the lake. And I haven't driven out there in a while, but I flew over it and I had a couple of guys in the airplane. Yeah, I, I actually flew. <laughs> um, and uh, it was actually kind of an emotional experience for me to actually fly again. Um, but that's a story for another day. But the lake is low. I mean, it's really low. It's a puddle. It really is. And so, and I'm thinking about all this rain and the runoff and the possibility, the, the probability that the water is going to flow into the lake and these aquifers that are, that are really low. And in fact, the lowness of the aquifers is really kind of resonates with me because we have, did you, did you know that at the well, we call the church that we're moving to the well and there's a well at the well. There's a well at the well. So I thought what I would do this morning is just kind of share with you where we are at the well. Because there's things going on at the well. And I'm telling you, even though we don't have the permits in our hand, we're expecting them next week. It's been over two months we're waiting for a permit to do the windows and the, all the exterior work on the well and even the interior work for new air conditioning and heating system. And, you know, so we've been busy, but, but it's been a little bit that we can do a little over here and then we can do a little over there. And so it's been a very uh, disjointed kind of a construction project, if you will, getting this well ready because we are waiting on process of getting the permits, which is challenging. It's challenging. But one of the things that we're doing over at the well, it has windows kind of like this, but they're really tall. And it has glass that looks like this. Now, no disrespect to the Wesleyan glass, but this was built before the well was built. And that's what they used to do. They used to put glass like that in. But now we have these argon-filled double-pane windows that are eight feet tall and they have this wood casing around them that's similar to that and it's going to be, oh, it's going to look so nice. It's really going to look good. In fact, every window in the building is going to be replaced because they were put in in 1959. 1959. It's like ancient history to some people around here. And so... And so there's, there's, this, there's this newness at, at the well. In fact, in, it includes not only just windows, but, oh, by the way, so we have um, the kitchen. And the kitchen has, um, uh, the, the kitchen is going to be like new. And so somebody, I won't mention any names, but somebody is going to be 
um, uh, they're, they're on a task right now, and they're sourcing stainless steel commercial stove, like five feet long, with a big stainless steel hood and a big stainless steel refrigerator, and there's new flooring and new cabinets and new countertops, and there's coffee machines, and there's... It's crazy what's going on in that kitchen over there at the well. And so God has provided for us at the well in such a way that, that we're, we're able to... Oh, by the way, we're getting new lights at the well. There's new... And there's these big beams. Have you been over there? You've got to go. There's these big beams. They run this way and then other beams that run this way. And the ceiling's quite tall. It's 17 and a half feet to the ceiling. And there's these big beams. And so we got these... We hired an engineer to put in lighting. And it's all LED. And this is the coolest thing. You know how you walk into your house and you flip the switch? Oh, the lighting at the well is all controlled by a computer now. <laughs> Computer-controlled lighting at the well. So you just can't come in and flip on the switches anymore. There's a backup system. We're calling it... Because I'm not very technically competent, and so they named it, I think it was for me, I'm not sure, but it's lighting for dummies. So there actually is a switch that you're going to be able to, go, and it's a push button. You're going to go to the wall, and if you want the lights on just a little bit, you can push one button. And if you want them on a little bit more, you push the other button. And if you want them on all the way, you push the third button. And it's all LED. And then there's LED lights, there's 24 of them. Because at the well, you see, there's this theatrical component to it. Not for worship, but for what we want to do at the well. Which is really what the message is about this morning. Because as we looked at the well and we were trying to decide, okay, Lord, what is it that you want us to do with this? This, Because it's just a building, right? It was a building built in 1959. We're just rebuilding it in 2017 because the Lord has blessed us with the resources to do it. It's crazy. It's exciting. It's, it's a lot of work. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good. The audiovisual system, by the way, is going to have these giant screen TVs. There's going to be like one over here. So you won't have to look over here. You know how Pastor Richie, oh, he goes up here and he goes, bam, and he hits his head on the screen. Those days are going to be gone, see, because, and it's not a projector. They're big LED screens, one on this side and one over here. It's going to be on this side, over here. And then there's, and then there's, um, the cool thing about that is, is that, is that uh, Shiloh is going to have an iMac because we've got to have Apple products. <laughs> and the Apple products are not only going to control the lights, but all the stuff that you see on the screen is going to be through an iMac. So we have a computer for the lights, a computer for all the visual stuff, and a computer for the sound. And the worship team is like freaked out because all of these things are going to be a thing of the past. And all the wires and stuff that you see all over the place, you see the system is all digital. It's a thing of the past. And the worship team is going to have the monitors in their ears. You've seen those shows on TV where the mu musicians are doing their thing and it looks like they're wearing hearing aids. Well, that's actually so they can hear each other. And so the new system is going to have ear monitors. 
like professional kinds. <laughs> yeah. And I hate to disappoint you, but the drums are going to have microphones. And then there's this corner. If you go over there, there's this big wall on the side and there's a big hole in the wall right now. And, and we bought these things and they're made by JBL and they're called subwoofers. And, you know, you've been to Oxnard, haven't you? Just a boom, just a boom, just a boom, 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 boom. You know, the car's vibrating. So I would suggest for hearing aid people, turn them off, sit in the front. Because our sound engineer said that we can turn the subwoofers up to 150 decibels. And he was serious as a heart attack when he said this. He said that not only can we turn them up to 150 decibels, but if you're sitting in like the first three rows, your hair will go like this. <laughs> we probably don't want to turn it up that loud. But, but we'd be capable of it. So, I mean... These are crazy things that are going on at the well. And then, and then, oh, it's great. It's going to, and you walk in, and when you walk in, if you haven't come over, you're welcome anytime. Just come on over to the well. You can see it while it's kind of under construction. We're just now starting to put things back in because we got walls built and we got stuff tore up, but we're, we're actually starting to put things back in. And it's starting to get kind of exciting because um, I'm mostly like a demo guy. I'm good at tearing stuff out, not so good at putting it back. And in fact, when I was you know, I was like eight and I, my, my mom had an Electrolux um, vacuum cleaner. Remember the kind that you used to drag it? You've got to be old enough to realize this. But it, you used to drag it on the, and it had little rails on it. And so I was like eight, and I got into my dad's um, dual box. And I took her Electrolux uh, vacuum cleaner apart. But I was eight. So obviously I couldn't put it back together. <laughs> I had no idea. But there was parts like all over the garage. And, uh, and it was cool. I grew up in a house where that was okay. I only got in just a little bit of trouble. Because you know, what was celebrated was that inquisitiveness. And I have no idea how much it cost to put that thing back together, but they hired somebody to put it back together. I don't know how that worked. But that's what I'm good at. I'm, I'm good at tearing stuff up, which is, that's another story. I don't know when we're going to be done at the well. I just, I just don't know that. But that brings to mind a question, really, done with What? Because in my mindset, I'm thinking about, well, we're over there. We're building it, you know, because we, we can't move in. Uh, trust me, you wouldn't want to be over there now. It's cold <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, and it's under construction. Uh, but are you ever really done? Are you ever really done? No, because I, I think about that. I think about it all the time because I, I'm, I'm living in the world right now where Richie and Tyler have asked me, would you just be in charge of putting that together? And because I'm foolish, I said, sure. And so that's, that's kind of what I've been doing for the last 16 weeks is, is working at the well and trying to be a good steward of the resources that God has provided to, to put that together. And I'm thinking that I'm focused on the completion date. When are we going to get done? And Richie, he's such a pastor. He says, Bill, we'll be done as soon as the Lord has it for us to be done. Don't put a date to it. Just do it well. <sighs> you know, the pressure comes off. That's what I love about Pastor Richie. You know, he's got that kind of wisdom. And 
he can see when we struggle with, got to have a date. So I don't know when we're going to move in, but I'm thinking it's going to be Easter. <laughs> I don't know, though. I'm not sure. So, so we call it the well. And the question is, why do we call it the well? Why do we call it the well? Because it has a well. A source of living water. Well, the fact of the matter is, the well has a well. And it's, it's, the water level has been at, at 99 feet in the well. And the submersible pump that goes down this, this casing that's about this big, it goes down into the ground uh, um, uh, about 100 feet. So there's only been like a foot. We can't use the well because there hasn't been enough water. I think today might change that. <laughs> but there hasn't been enough water in the well. But it has a well. So we have a well at the well. But is that the reason that you want to call it the well? So do you want to know the real reason why we call it the well? Of course you do. Well, you have to turn to John chapter 4 for that, of course. John chapter 4. I've been pretty excited about what's been happening at the well, but the fact of the matter is, is that when we first went over to the Lutheran church, as it was known at the time, we went to the Lutheran church and, you know, one of the first things that they showed us was the well. Well, none of us knew that there was a well there and we thought, there's a well. And then I don't know who said it, but somebody said, wow, there's a well at the well. It just came out. Like it was, I don't know, God-ordained or something. So then we started thinking about the fact that we call ourselves Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. That's a lot of slobbles that have to come off of our tongue. And the well was short. And it just resonated because there's water in the well. And then, of course, we also understand in John chapter 4 that a very important thing happened at the well. And if you're at John chapter 4, most of us know this story, don't we, of the Samaritan woman at the well and having this encounter with who? Jesus at the well. We read about this encounter at the well that was known as Jacob's well. And we see starting in verse 4. That scripture says. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus tired as he was from the journey. Sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So here we see that Jesus is on the move. And, of course, in those days, when you were on the move, you walked. And it was, it was the sixth hour, which means it was noon. It's hot. He's in Samaria. But it's not the heat that is the issue here. First, we see in verse 4, it says that he had to go through Samaria. Now, it wasn't had to on the basis of there was some obligation that he had or there was some mandate that he was 
that he was, I mean, this is Jesus we're talking about. The had to here really means that it's simply a matter of convenience because of where Jesus was going. He was going through Samaria. But what's the significant part of Jesus going through Samaria um, and, and stopping at this particular well? If you're here on Wednesday nights, you see that in studying in Acts, that a Jew wouldn't, wouldn't even put their sandal in Samaria. If you understand the history of the Samaritan people, a Jew would think about a Samaritan in the sense of them being unclean. So Jesus didn't have an obligation to go through Samaria, but he had to go through Samaria to get to where he was going. There's an opportunity here. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And then in parens it says, his disciples had gone into the town, into town to buy food. Now, verse 9, the Samaritan woman, oops, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? How can you even ask me for a drink? See the picture there? You see, she knew that a Jew and a man, especially, wouldn't be asking her. First of all, what are you doing here? Now, did she know who he was? Of course not. She had no clue who she was talking to. But you see, here's the opportunity at the well that Jesus had. He has this opportunity, you see, because in Samaria, there's a woman that comes to the that comes to the well because what did that was? Sorry, women's work. <laughs> That's what they did. They went to the well and it was that was what they did to get water. And what's interesting about the story is, that you see, this woman went to the well and she was by herself. Unusual, because that was not typical in the day. Generally speaking, when women went to the well, they went at least in a group. There was always at least two because around the well. There was a social component to the work that they were doing. They went together. They had their clay pots. They were gathering up the water. And this well happened to be about a half a mile out of town. But she was there by herself. So there she is. Asking Jesus. Why are you asking me for a drink? Because I know that you consider me a half-breed. I know that you consider me unclean. I know that you consider me religiously defiled. But what did Jesus do? He went to the well. He went to the well. So reason number one that we decided to call the new church building that we're going to be moving to at 1290 Grand Avenue, the well is that, well, Jesus was at the well. And he was demonstrating to that woman and to everybody else, remember he was with his boys, even though they went into town. And they were Jews. He was demonstrating love and inclusiveness. And, and he was receiving this woman as an outcast. And she's thinking, how could you even ask me for a drink of water? We shouldn't even be associating with one another. 
And you see, we're going to use the well for exactly the same purpose. It's called the well because we're going to use the well in our community to do just that. We're going to break down barriers. We're going to break down walls. We're going to break down stereotypes because that's what you do at the well. That's what Jesus did at the well. That's what we're going to do at the well. But there's more. Verse 10. Jesus then answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It's a scripture that many of us are familiar with. and I love how Jesus turns it around and he doesn't even do it in the first person. He does it in the third person. And he says, if you only knew, he says, at the at the well with this woman, he's you see Jesus drawing her in. They're at the well. She can't figure out why he's even talking to her. And yet she's curious because Jesus at the well is drawing her in. I love that. If you only knew, Jesus said, see, this is the well. He's breaking down these taboos. Jesus didn't care. He didn't care about the stereotype. He didn't care about the taboo. What did he care about? The woman at the well. He didn't care. Remember now, he's having this conversation and he's not saying, hey, I'm thirsty. I've just walked through the desert. It's noon and I'm hot. His heart is so entrenched in love for this Samaritan woman who is at the well, who stereotypically he shouldn't even be talking to, nor should he have even been walking through this this town because he cared about her spiritual well-being. That's what he cared about. Verse 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? See the curiosity? Aha! She wants to know about the living water because of what Jesus said to her. You see, now she's not thinking. She all of a sudden is drawn in. Sound familiar? I hope it's familiar in your life and mine that, that we're really interested in how Jesus... Drew us in. Because, you know, if Jesus didn't draw you in, we wouldn't even be here, would we? I love that. Only in his power can he draw people in. And so she says, you've got nothing to, 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 to draw the water with because the well is deep. I don't know. Maybe it was 100 feet. That's what the well is over there. It's 100 feet. That's a long ways to drop something down in to get water. And then she says, almost by diversion, are you greater than our father, Jacob? See the connection that she had originally with the original Jewish and godly thought. Wait a minute. That was our father, Jacob, because that's where the well came from. It, it was our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, here it is. Everyone who drinks this water from the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Bringing her in with the truth. 
Indeed, the water I give him will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. Oh, she's in all of a sudden, isn't she? Give me this water so that I won't have to get thirsty and have to keep coming down here to draw water. She had absolutely no idea who he was or what he was talking about. Because she was thinking about it quite materially, physiologically. Her thought was, man, these clay pots are heavy. If I have this living water, I'll never be thirsty again. It reminds me of backpacking. You know, one of the, I love to backpack. And so one of the things that's the biggest hassle backpacking when you're on these multi-day trips or week, <laughs> depending on how crazy you are, is, is you got, you got to get water. And you can't just drink the water anywhere anymore. You've got to really filter the water. And filtering the water is a pain in the neck. And so you're constantly having to deal with having a couple of liters of water that you're carrying on your back. And you've got to stop at a, at a stream or a lake. And some, some of them are pretty rank, you know. And, and so you've got to filter this water. And, and you've got to do it. It's like all day, every day, you're dealing with water. And I'm just thinking in her mind, she's thinking like, like me when I'm backpacking. Oh, I just didn't have to drink. If I just had, she was thinking that the living water was going to be physiological, she would never be thirsty again. Cool. We don't even need the well. But of course, that's not what Jesus had in mind, because even though it's just awesome that she had absolutely no idea who she was having an encounter with. That's exactly why people should come to the well. They should be coming to the well. So that they can have an encounter of the right kind of water. So reason number two that we decided to call the new church building at 1290 Grand Avenue in Ojai, California, the well, is because there's living water there. There is living water at the well. Oh, we can go over there and turn on the pump right now. And my guess is that if I went to the well house and flipped on the switch, the submersible pump would go, because that's what it does. And then there's a little pressure tank over here on the other side of the room, and you can hear it going in there, and it fills up, and then you can go out and you can turn on the spigot, and it goes, and water comes out. It's an amazing thing. We could probably do that. We could get water at the well, and it'll flow. But you see, Jesus wasn't concerned about that kind of water. Only she was concerned about that kind of water. But living water at the well. You see, because that needs to be one place for sure that you can receive living water. It's just one place, but it is a place. And that's what it's for. It's so people can find living water. But now here comes the turning point in this woman's relationship with this man that she's met at the well that she has no clue who he is. Verse 16. I just love how Jesus does this. <laughs> and there's a bunch of people that are stretched here today because, you know, I mean, y'all had to move. The pastor's home in bed. Most of the ushers are sick. Half of the worship team, some of which were in the emergency room <laughs> with heart palpitations, maybe even, I don't know what the issue is, but the, but the Rollins are, pray for the Rollins. Scotty's really sick. 
But Jesus tends to turn things on us. And what does he say? He told her, he says, hey, go call your husband and then come back. Why did he say that? Why did he say that to this Samaritan woman? Well, in her mind, it was probably pretty clear because it was totally inappropriate, both then and now, frankly, for a man to be alone with a woman in that situation is not good. But especially in that culture, especially with him being a Jew and especially with her being a woman, not good. But then she says, I have no husband. But of course, we know that Jesus knew. But she didn't know that Jesus knew. And I love what he says. Yep, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is, this is verse 17, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not even your husband. What you have said, what you have just said is quite true. Uh-oh. At least when she responded to him, she was giving him, it was maybe a good start. I don't know what you think. It was a half truth. Yeah, I don't have a husband. But this is a woman that had a reputation, guys. I mean, we would say today she got around. But I think, you see, she's just now beginning to understand right there at the well who she's dealing with. Because he all of a sudden told her a whole bunch of stuff about her life that how would he have known that? So she agreed with him. I mean, what else, what else could she do? He just shared the truth with her and she had to agree. So right there at the well, this woman was exposed to the light. You see... At the well, there must be light. At the well, there must be light. Biblically, salt and light. That's us. At the well, the outcasts need to come and be welcomed into the well so that they can have an encounter. And first, what they're going to do is they're going to meet Salt and light. Amen? Verse 19, she says, Sir! Very formal. Sir? The woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Here's another complete diversion. She's, she's got to be a little bit freaked out. I mean, Seriously. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She tries to turn the whole thing, you know, because all of a sudden Jesus has said, listen, sister, (laughs) you know, you're shacking up with this dude and you've had five husbands and I know. Jesus in verse 21 then says, believe me. I know a time is coming. There is a time that is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. That's a loaded statement if we dove into that a little farther. But verse 22, you Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know. Here it is. For salvation 
is from the Jews. Verse 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and His worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Listen to what she says next. That is a powerful statement from Jesus. Not as powerful as what He's about to say next. But she's starting to catch on because he's drawn her into the truth. He's used the well. He's used the taboos. He's used all of these stereotypical issues. Bam! He just tosses them. And he draws her in. And he says, listen, a time is coming. And has now Come. See, she's at the well. In the here and in the now, in this relationship encounter with Jesus at the well, he's telling her that the time has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And then he says that God is spirit. And that those true worshipers must worship Him in spirit and truth. I love Jesus. He's all about truth. It's just all about truth. There it is. This loose Samaritan woman has to respond to Him by saying, I know that the Messiah, the one that they call the Christ, is coming. You see, she already knew that. But what had she been doing? Her whole life, she'd been hanging with these men. She had been married to five men. She had been looking and searching. I think that she was, she was, she was searching. She was filling up that empty place that she had in the wrong way. She had all these men and she had a reputation around town. And she couldn't even get married. She had been married so many times, so she was shacking up with this guy. She was looking for this fulfillment that she was missing somehow or another through these sexual encounters somehow with all of these men. Not much has changed. It wasn't that many years ago that I that I was that woman trying to fill up my own life without even knowing that there was a void in my life. See, she's not so different than any of us. But she said, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, you got to love this. He's going to explain it all. (laughs) She's still a little confused, isn't she? (laughs) She still doesn't know who she's talking to. But at least she's getting more honest now. Now she's starting to come out. I like it. She she was desperately searching, searching in all the wrong places, wasn't she? And then verse 26, Jesus then declares, you know that Messiah that you talk about? That Jesus Christ that you just mentioned? 
I who speak to you am He. I don't know what happened to her, but that just gave me goosebumps. I who speak to you am He. What an encounter. You see, the the exact person of the Messiah of the Christ that she knew about and had somehow been seeking, but she was so confused because she was religiously confused. She was she was confused in every way. She had just met the Christ. <gasps> and it happened at the well. I love that. It happened at the well. You see, so when we move to the well, we're praying that the Lord would send Samaritan women. Because <laughs> they live right here. Our attitude should be one of giving ourselves away like Jesus did. You Remember, Jesus still hasn't had a drink. He still hasn't taken a drink from the well. He is engaged with this woman. It's a salvation issue, you see. The salvation issue that Jesus was talking to her trumped everything that Jesus was thinking about himself. And he was hot and he was tired and dirty and thirsty. But that didn't matter because he was at the well. An encounter with the Samaritan woman. And in the following verses in John that we're not going to read this morning, but if you want to, please do. It tells us that this woman, reputation and all. Because when she went back into town, what do you suppose the town people were thinking? Just because she had an encounter with Jesus at the well, it didn't change who they knew her to be. But we see in the following verses that she went back into town but she had something now that she didn't have when she left town to go to the well. She had a testimony. And what did she do? She went from harlot to evangelist with an encounter with Jesus at the well. Because she received the truth. Powerful. You see... For us, the well, there was a well at the well. But for us, the well, see, that's just a building. It's just a building. But the well is a place where people can lovingly come and hear the truth. Amen? The well is a place where we, we, people of the cross, by the way, there's a big red, it's not up yet, but boom, when you walk in the doors, there's these glass doors, they're not there yet either, but they're going to be, and there's these glass doors, and there's this beautiful window, and right under the big eave on the left side, when you walk in the windows at the well, there's this big red cross made out of I-beam metal. When we took it out of the ground to make it a little bit smaller, we had a crane that weighed 10,000 pounds. Now, that's a cross. 
the well is going to be known for it being filled with people of the cross. And when people of the cross are going to bear witness to the living water that you can find at the well. That's why we're there. This isn't complicated. See, in John 14 or 413, Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. So we don't need to have the well at the well. Because if we drink that water, we'll just be thirsty again. But then he says, I give them what I give them. After I give it to them, they'll never thirst again. But you see, John records for us elsewhere in verse 6 of chapter 14, more truth. We know this one. He didn't tell this to the Samaritan woman, but he told it to you and me. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the father except through me. That's the truth. You have to come to Jesus Christ to get the living water. And as people of the cross at the well, we're just going to tell people that. That's all we're going to do. Just tell them the truth at the well. On Wednesdays, we're in Acts. Acts 4.12 says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven. Given to mankind. By which we must be saved. The well is a place of salvation. The well is a place of sanctification. The well is a place of transformation. The well is a place of truth. And mostly, the well is a place of love. People can come to the well for living water to encounter Jesus the same way this Samaritan woman did so that she and we and they can say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no salvation except through Him. It's beautiful, isn't it? At the well. It's crazy. The well has a well. I've been privileged to work at the well for the last 16 weeks, and we have been just doing, we've been huffing and jiving out there, and I can't tell you how many opportunities. This whole message, when Richie called yesterday, actually he didn't call, he texted, at 2.34 p.m., and he said, I don't think I can do it. All I could think about, I just had this peace that came over me and it was like God said, just tell everybody what's been happening at the well. It's really kind of simple. At the well, we got construction workers, we have vendors, we got neighbors, they're all coming. And duh, I'm not that bright, but you know what's been happening at the well for 16 weeks? We just been telling people, well, there's living water here because we have a well at the well, but that's not important. What's important is what happens inside. Hello? That's what the well is for. We're going to be at the well and we're going to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. And as people of the cross, we are going to share the truth of Jesus Christ and the salvation that is available to them. And if we have to be hot and tired and dirty and thirsty when people come, that's okay. Because we want to have the same heart 
uh, as the Lord when they come. And I don't know if he's going to send one or a hundred or a thousand or none. I don't have a clue. But let's not go to the well because it's a building. Let's go to the well because there's living water. That's what's at the well. The well is a place where Jesus demonstrated that we are always to speak the truth in love. And of course, the well is a place where we can have a testimony. The Samaritan woman did. She had a testimony because she came to the place with an encounter with Jesus where she realized that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there was no salvation apart from accepting relationship with him. Period. The truth. And each of us was once far from God and rebellious and we were outcasts just like her. No difference. So Jesus taught all of us at the well that only He gives living water. The promised Holy Spirit. Jesus taught us at the well that only He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus taught us at the well that He is always near to those who seek Him in truth. That's what the well is for. Amen? That's what the well is for. He taught us at the well in Samaria how we are to use the well in Ojai. That's what He taught us. He taught us that every single person that comes to the well is valuable to Him. And that all of us, people of the cross, have the opportunity to just be who we are in Christ and share our testimony in love with people that come to the well so that they can encounter not us, not the well, but Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for showing us, God, how you just love. And Lord, there's no mistake when John wrote about this encounter that you had with the Samaritan woman at the well and then you gave us opportunity to move to a building in Ojai that has a well. I pray God that each one of us would share the testimony that we have about who you are in our lives. That you would be attractive. And whether that happens at the well or it happens outside our own front doors, Lord, show us how to do that well. And now as we prepare to take communion together, I think it's awesome, Lord, that you've gathered us, this small little group. I feel like I'm in Cindy's living room, Lord. (laughs) It feels like we have just, we're just so grounded, Lord, in your love and your goodness here in this place that as we, as we prepare to take the communion this morning, God, will you just remind us 
of Your love for us and others. And break down any stereotypes that we have, God, in our relationship with You or our relationship with others so that we can just love like You did. Help us to reflect this morning, God, on the power of the truth that You are He, the Christ, Messiah, and that no one can come to the Father in salvation except through You. What a beautiful truth that sets us free, that just sets us spiritually free in preparation for growth, sanctification, and transformation. Awesome. During communion time, God, Speak to us, Lord, as only you can. In Jesus' name, we're going to bring the cups as we always do. And Robert, if you could come up. The music's going to play, take both the cups, and then when everybody is served, I'd like to do something even a little different this morning, because we can. When everybody has been served, can we just all stand up together? And then we'll just take communion as a church family together, standing out of reverence for the Lord. Amen?